just remember you have a mission, you have a purpose. You started this business for a reason, right? And you cannot deviate from your purpose even when things get tough. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saver. Hey, this is Jerry Saver, and you're listening to episode 54 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, the podcast where we go in-depth and behind the scenes for the people creating a plant-based future so you can get inspired, learn from their experience and their approach, and find out what works when you're setting up your own vegan company or brand. Now, before we get started, a word about an online event that I'm proud to be supporting. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're vegan or at least interested in the plant-based lifestyle. And if you have children or are thinking about them, I am willing to bet that you've had your dietary choices challenged at least once. Because let's face it, there's a lot of confusion and misinformation still out there about kids and the vegan diet. Well, my friend Corey Warren from the Lean Green Dad is setting out to change that once and for all this year with the first ever plant-based parenting summit. It's a week-long online event starting July 10, where you'll be able to hear over 30 expert speakers, doctors, dietitians, educators, authors, and influencers, all talking about everything you need to know to raise a plant-based family from pregnancy and breastfeeding to meal planning and nutrition, to talking about veganism with your kids and dealing with social situations. And the best thing is, it's completely free to join. All you need to do is navigate over to plantbasedparentingsummit.com and reserve your spot for all the interviews coming out. So if you're a vegan parent or planning to become one in the future, this is one event that you really don't want to miss. And with that, let's get into this week's episode. You'll notice that this one is a bit different. It was recorded on-site at the Pollo Lodge, the only vegan hotel in Nicaragua, and there's actually a pretty cool story of how we got to be there in the first place. We met Miriam, who's one of the owners, at Tulum Vegan Fest in January, and she was promoting this boutique hotel that she and her partner Mary Bell opened by a lagoon in the crater of a dormant volcano in Nicaragua, and that already seemed like a story worth sharing but it gets even better. During the event, they were collecting emails for their list and they had a draw for a weekend getaway for everyone who signed up. So on Sunday, the last day of the vegan fest, they got Tori Washington and Dom Thompson to do the draw. And it's actually hilarious when you see it on video because you can hear Maya chanting, pick me, pick me in the background as they're going through that box that had more than a hundred names. And then her name actually does come out and everyone is just completely dumbfounded. But the truth is, my wife can be very efficient at manifesting this sort of things. And that meant that we were going to Nicaragua. So we added a couple more nights to our trip so we could really enjoy the place. And it was just awesome. They're based only an hour away from the main airport of Managua. But they're really just in the middle of the jungle. You know, you take a cab ride there, the last 15 minutes or so are on an unpaved road, and then you wake up every day to the sound of howler monkeys. They have complimentary yoga classes in the morning overlooking the lagoon. And of course, all the food and all the products they use, everything is completely plant-based. And in addition to that, 
vegan hotels is really not a topic that we've covered before on the show. So please enjoy this conversation with Miriam and Maribel of Apoya Lodge. Thank you. We're here in um, your little Hobbit house office with two cats and a dog sharing the space. And it's really nice and cool in here. So very well built. It's actually an earth home. It's yeah. built with uh, sandbags. Oh, nice. From the, from the lagoon. So basically you just get the sacks, you fill them with, with the sand, and then you put them on top of each other, and then you cover with chicken wire and then concrete. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's very sturdy. Uh, we don't feel any earthquakes here. <laughs> and also it keeps like cool in the inside. So Yeah, I, I can see the animals love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we can just get this started. Or we can play with the cat a little longer. Exactly. <laughs> so just so we are clear in case that any other makes an appearance, there are in total six rescue cats and, and one, one rescue, rescue dog, which is the size of the six cats together. Okay. So <laughs> it's a little crowded here. So yeah, but it's a really lovely place. Like we've been here for three days now. And um, before we start talking about the hotel, I, I would love to know a little bit more about each of you. So before you started this, for your personal paths? Bueno, my personal path is now under a question, a big question mark. But what I can tell you is uh, how has been up to now. Me, I'm from Spain, and uh, I decided to be an engineer. And I was working like many years for different private companies. I'm construction engineer. Until one day I decided that, uh, to join to humanitarian work and then to try to rebuild whatever is distracted over and over again. And that is where I am now. I'm living in Iraq, and I'm working for the Red Cross. And at the same time, I try to find a balance. So since I was very, very, very small, little one, uh, I wanted to have like a small place where people just can come and to be happy in order to balance the other uh, side. And then is when I met Miriam and uh, we put like a cocktail uh, together, a non-alcohol one, and uh, we came up to here. And Miriam, what's your side of the story so, up to that point? So I'm also from Spain, but we did not meet in Spain. Uh, in kind of parallel universe, uh, Maribel had her, kind of her path and I had mine. Very similar, but in aviation, that was my previous career. I spent 11 years in between air operations and airlines and in different countries. So what brought me to the humanitarian field was also aviation as part of a United Nations uh, program. So I ended up in the Democratic Republic of Congo as part of MONUSCO, the peacekeeping mission in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And Maribel ended up there as well. She arrived a month before me. So this is how, you know, an engineer and an aviation professional got to meet in the most random place in the world. <laughs> at that point, I was also at, at a moment of career change and lifestyle change because I had become vegan about three years before I arrived in Congo. And that led me to a personal path of transformation. So when we met in the field, I was there kind of in the last moments of my aviation career, knowing that I wanted to do something different. I needed to go through the transformation personally first before I could 
move on to maybe help others in that journey. So at the end of my time in Congo, I decided to quit altogether and uh, decided to educate myself in nutrition and um, and in my case, focused in plant-based uh, nutrition. And then Maribel was so crazy that she was like, well, you know, when I told you about my idea of opening a hotel one day, well, maybe we can do that together. And I'm like, look, how about if the hotel will be like a place where people come and learn about how to keep healthy, a plant-based diet, as well as looking after the environment and animals. And, you know, we were just kind of having this conversation where we were in a vacation in Mozambique drinking. So yeah. never underestimate a conversation that you might be having when you are on your holiday, because you never know. <laughs> So yeah, I decided to then quit my career. I got a degree in uh, in integrative nutrition, and then I started focusing more in in plant based foods that can be healing for your body. That at the same time, we feel that then you're also helping the environment and the animals. It's like a win win situation, right? So. It's what we want to think. It's what we want to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, we are happy with that. Basically, you, Maribel, you you came up with the hotel idea, and then Miriam, you put in the nutrition and, and yeah. vegan side of it. That's right. Who put in the Nicaraguan part of the equation? <laughs> that would be me, I guess. So also, I have to say, uh, you know, when I tried hard in Mozambique, I failed. So you tried to... Maybe I gave up under a palm. Well, <laughs> the only the... palm with internet trying to escape from me. So Well, the work. reason why we went to Mozambique is because she thought about buying some land there to open a business. But I arrive and I'm like, oh, this is not the place. So, you know, you're on your own on this one. <laughs> but uh, I had to... Uh, basically, I have been making this list of, of the things that I feel that I need to have in my life. I do this exercise a lot with people that uh, do retreats here with me. I feel it's very, very very useful exercise to just basically be able to put in a list a um, the amount of things that you think you need every day of your life. If you wake up in the morning, what kind of things you want to have around you? And that being, you know, about the environment, about the food you eat, the people that you're surrounded by, and so on. So I had kind of like worked out this list to down to Central America for many reasons. You know, I felt that I had a connection with this part of the world that I didn't feel I had in other parts of the world as much as I enjoy traveling there. There was also the fact that, you know, culturally, we can relate more where even if we have a very different culture, at the same time, there are many similarities because obviously Spain and all Latin America have a lot of similarities. Um, there was also the climate, I realized, and, and that she had to kind of give in a little. She doesn't love <laughs> the continuous heat as much as I do. No, but uh, hopefully one day we will open a second branch of Apology Lodge, but more in a snow environment place where I can also enjoy my pullovers and big ones. <laughs> By nature, nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I want it heat all year round. And so to me, tropical living, it really worked with me. I believe that that way I can also have fruit and veggies growing around us and that sort of thing. So yeah, that eventually brought us to this part. Then I opened the question about, but business is going to be 100% vegan, right? And, and at first it's like, yeah, sure. I obviously use the animal welfare skews 
which obviously for an animal lover like she is, it was like, but how can you be so sweet with dogs and still eat a cow? Like, you know, and <laughs> that bought her in. <laughs> so I have to say it was a risk. Opening a 100% vegan business is not easy, but especially in a country where veganism is not only not spread, but not even known. Mm. So it was a, it was a business risk. But we both agree that we could have never done what we do with the passion that we do it if it wasn't because we feel it's the right thing for humans, for animals and the planet. We feel that this is the way to run a business. If any of those three elements was not being benefited from what we do, then it wouldn't work for us. How did you decide on this particular place in, in Apoyo because it's, it's really nice. Have you been to Nicaragua before? Did you scout No, but let me tell, locations? to be honest, we were looking always for sea view uh, by the beach or ocean or whatever. Eh? We definitely wanted water around. That was important. I feel a very intense connection with the water. And so did she mm. was like, you know, in her dreams of the little B&B, there was always also like, you know, we wanted to have water. Yeah. So we did some scout location. Nicaragua in particular came up because after a research in countries, you know, starting from Mexico all the way to Panama, you know, I started doing a bit of research business wise, you know, which one makes the most sense and just taking other things into account, you know, like security and expat life and opportunities to grow this business, right? Because we knew that we couldn't rely just on national business or tourism. We needed to have a place where tourists will come and, and so on. So then the Laguna just came into my life as like many other things do. I came here for a weekend when I was living by the ocean and somebody told me, oh, you have to go to this place. You know, it's like my favorite spot in Central America. And this was even before she came to Nicaragua. I wasn't still set. I had decided maybe like Costa Rica, Panama or Nicaragua. So then, yeah, I came here and I just felt an incredible energy. It just felt right. It was a place that have all these things that I had in my list, you know, and it's very peaceful, but it still is very well located. When you're putting a business plan, together you need to think okay is this a place where people will come for my mm. business or is it a place where people will pass and see my business because there are other beautiful places in Nicaragua but they're very remote Obviously. I'm happy that she said that huh? because at the beginning <laughs> the remote it was like but it's very very remote <laughs> and yeah. before I came it was like but then the road is super remote this we have to take it into account and I say okay okay and then we came the first time and I was assuming it's not that remote right <laughs> I guess it's good that we lived in Congo before right because then so, yes. suddenly the unpaved road for us is like mm. and there's not really that much of an unpaved road it's only like the last two kilometers yeah. yeah so it really is nothing but it's funny like with everything in life right like some people is like oh my god you live in the middle of nowhere yeah. and you're like well but you come from LA you take like an hour and a half to drive to work every day right it takes me 25 <laughs> minutes to get to the market here yeah. so it's it's about what you yeah. what your expectation is I feel that we are remote enough Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're very close. We're very close to the colonial city of Granada. We're very close to the volcano. We're only an hour and 15 minutes from the airport, you know? The unpaved road part, I think it marks a before and after, you know? It's like, <laughs> if you're ready to go to the next level, you go to the end of the unpaved road, you know? <laughs> yeah, and w was this place already built up when you bought yes. it? 
Yes, it was built. It also went through transformation. So it was originally a camping place. Yeah. Then they started building the lodge, uh, more of a bed and breakfast. Then the couple that owned it before started playing around with retreats because she was a yoga instructor and then she introduced their retreat ideas. And yeah, so when we actually bought it, they were already selling it, but it's still working as a plant-based business mm-hmm. only with retreats and mostly with raw foods, which was something that we had already been obviously working on that we wanted to offer a place that will be 100% vegan, but it will offer food for many different tastes. Yeah. It's important uh, for us yeah. right, that See. we will not just make it a very niche market Hmm. uh and you know i eat raw a lot of the times i also focus in detox programs which there is nothing cooked but it was important to us that our business model was more a place for people that might not even be vegan they might not Hmm. even be vegetarian or familiarized with this lifestyle but they will come here and give it a go yeah and i think that's been the highlight of our journey so far i think so yeah and it, it keeps quite a good balance of that sense. Yeah, huh? it's because very beautiful when you have people that might have seen our rating in Booking.com, right? They haven't even read the description. That's one thing that I've learned running this business. Mm. People don't read these days. Yeah. They just look at photos and they don't read. <laughs> so, you know, they don't even realize that they're coming to a vegan hotel, right? Mm. They come here, they're mesmerized by the environment. And then suddenly I welcome them and I tell them that all the food is, is vegan and they go, Okay. And it's amazing to see the transformation from when they arrive to when they leave. We have people that are like heavy meat eaters, right? They will come to us and be like, you know, I never thought that I could eat vegan for three days. And I'm telling you, I wasn't even hungry, you know? Yeah. And it's really sweet because you can feel that truly this person will have never walked into a vegan restaurant mm-hmm. and will have never booked a vegan hotel. But then they have a good experience. And we have people writing to us after they go home, you know, like, hey, we do Meatless Mondays now. And, and it's really sweet. Yeah. It's a lot more of just about cucumbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or people that come to Nicaragua because we exist, you know, people that never thought that they will come here, but knowing that they have a vegan place, they use it as the base to explore. Mm. So they will come here and then we'll tell them where else to go. And, you know, oh, if you go to Granada, these are the two restaurants where you can get good quality vegan food, you know. And they consider coming to this country as they never did. So that's also really beautiful, you know. That's awesome. But let me just ask you this, since you were mentioning your business plan, does either of you have any previous experience in hospitality at, at all or was this just I knew that this question would come <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to prepare myself even to be spontaneously the one that answered and no no yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> she truly is an engineer kind <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well my experience in hospitality or the travel industry I was a flight attendant that's yes before so customer service wise I have a kind of a long-term background because if there is anything more difficult than trying to run a business in the crater of a volcano is to try to please humans inside a metal tube which is an aeroplane mm-hmm. That, I think, was a baptism of fire, I guess, for me, because sometimes you're stuck in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you know, and you have somebody going through a crisis and you are 30,000 feet and there is really 
nothing you can do other than manage the crisis, you know, so so that really helps. So I spend a lot of time, obviously, in hotels and whatnot, because when you are a flight attendant, you leave partly in hotels anyway. So that's as much as the experience we had before we started this this business. Yeah. And Maribel, I guess one engineer to another wouldn't you look at a problem from an engineering point of oh, view. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I just yeah. give the other uh, side of the story, another perception, another point of view. Unless, to be honest, eh, many years ago, before thinking even of opening this, I started my business and administration uh, master, although it's a little bit abandoned, because all my idea was always to be like uh, good enough to be able to run and to manage uh, one place like that, my our mm -hmm. own business, my own business at that time. And then uh, it's really funny to say that since we opened doors, I had to abandon the master because then I, I had so many things on my mind that I cannot uh, continue with that. But look, uh, still. Yeah, well, you've got hands-on approach now. Yeah, and then I have the, the experience approach. Yeah, exactly. Best. And to be honest, so, I think we balance each other pretty well. Maribel is, as, as a good engineer, you know, she's a structure and uh, objective. You know, and it's good with the project management of things. She keeps me grounded, which is important because I'm here full time. And sometimes you get caught up in because you have to deal with so many different aspects. When somebody tells you about opening a business, I'm pretty sure that every entrepreneur has exactly the same feedback. Nobody can ever prepare you for what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. Whether you're opening a physical business or a digital business or, or whatever that looks like, you're never going to be prepared. You can think about the list of things that you are going to face in the most unlikely event. Yeah. And then you'd have to like multiply that list for like seven. <laughs> because, and then when you're the kind of person that likes a challenge like we obviously do and you twist it a little bit more and instead of opening your business like we could have maybe opened the business you know even in here in Nicaragua but in Granada yeah. or San Juan del Sur which are like places that are well developed when it comes to tourism and that sort of thing and you have a lot of things at your hand but no we did it in the crater of a volcano where if we run out of some food item we need to drive out to somewhere to buy it and it's quite far you know and we don't have anybody delivering any of our products other than mm. coconut oil we have a delivery for coconut oil and that's mm. why I love that provider it's like I'm never gonna ditch you but the rest you know for any little thing you have to go and then you have to deal with mother nature and the elements you know because then suddenly you know if there is the season for wasps they they come and they nest in your rooms we noticed there's a big nest just outside of our room yes. but they seem very peaceful well yeah. so i'm happy that you mentioned that <laughs> because i've had this uh, issue with that nest which is getting pretty big and it's obviously mm -hmm. very close to the room where my team is like we need to take care of it now one of the things that's been a bit of a challenge as a vegan business is maintaining practices in your business that are aligned with your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Now, the only alternatives that my team has come up with to get rid of that nest are, let's say, not friendly to the bees mm -hmm. or the wasps in this case, mm -hmm. right? So if you're trying to spread the word of no cruelty to others, how could I go to bed and sleep after I, you know, set fire to their nest? Yeah. I can do that. But then we have to deal with that maybe the next guest won't be as kind as you. Yeah. And they might be like, I don't want to be in this room because I have wasps nearby. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Right. Yeah. And that is the hardest part sometimes of our business. 
we bring our cleaning products from Corn Island. That's what I was going to ask you, like because it's <laughs> yeah. it's a vegan hotel, and you mentioned that Nicaragua may not be quite as vegan friendly or developed in this sense. Are there any tricky items in particular that that are commonly found in hotels that are not vegan, and and you just need to look for a bit harder? Well, it's not just not being vegan, right? Because what we are also trying to do here is to be environmentally friendly. There yeah, are yeah. things that are vegan, hmm. but they're full of chemicals, right? Happening. And also to be as more local use oriented that we can. Exactly. So sometimes in a country that they don't have uh, these regulations, it's really complicated for us to find a product that can adapt to not have chemicals or, or harm the environment, harm the environment and so on. So, so that's the example, yeah, that we were saying. So our shampoo, conditioner, our laundry soap, our dishwashing paste comes from a lady that makes them in, in Little Corn Island in the Caribbean. It's a beautiful place here in Nicaragua. And she makes them and is the only person we found in this country. And then she makes the product for us using like all natural stuff. And then she ships them on a boat that gets to a place where then they go on a truck and they come to a market in Managua, and mm -hmm. then we just use one of our trips going out to the airport, coming back or something, to then pick them up from this person that keeps them for us. And uh, that's the, the products we have. They are all chemical-free, environmentally friendly. And if you dispose them on the soil here, they're just biodegradable, so we are not affecting our environment at all. Now, the other option would be for us to make them. Yeah, but again... But we cannot make everything. Exactly. <laughs> that's the other challenge you find we as a business try, owner. Uh, you have to focus on certain things and leave the others for other people and then trust that you are doing the correct part. But uh, it's not only about how difficult it is to find this product, but also the message that you have to transmit to your clients about it's not the same when you are uh, washing with chemical products than when you are not. So it does not mean that the bed lines are uh, dirty or whatsoever. It's just different. Yeah, they don't smell as strong. They don't you smell. Know. They, you enter in the room and probably will not smell like, a, I, don't, I don't know, a bouquet of rose has been <laughs> spread all over. But that does not mean that it's not clean. Well, we notice that now when we go to other hotels, right? Because now See? I walk in the rooms and it's like, oh, I feel that the smell is very strong. Mm -hmm. Because when you, I'm sure that yeah. anybody that is listening that is used to having non-chemical products in their life, where there is like yeah. a cream, or shampoos or anything like that then you know the difference there mm -hmm. is not so much foam you know there exactly. is so they try them and they normally fall in love with them yeah. but again you know normally it's more expensive in our case it's also a logistical mm. <laughs> nightmare at times that you need to add at the top of everything but uh, still you need to be like in a good rate eh? for the people that does not know you still continue choosing your place and the ones that know you, yeah, these ones know the value of the things, but others not. Yeah. Um, you say that some of them, they just find you on booking.com and just see that falling off and, and come over without knowing that, that it's vegan. What about on average? Are they still predominantly vegan or do you get a lot of people who are kind of fetch curious and just want to come check it out? To be honest, it depends on the time of the year. Uh, so Nicaragua has a uh, kind of two distinct seasons, November to April, which is the dry season, and then May to October being the green season. Uh, that is not set in stone as such, but generally it also coincides when it's really cold in the northern hemisphere, right? So most of our visitors come predominantly from the US and Canada. And then we have seen an increase in European clients. I guess yeah. that obviously the fact that we are Europeans 
things and we have advertising other platforms and so on. But normally we'll have people in those months that are coming here escaping the colds in most mm-hmm. cases. And then we have mostly retreats or groups coming during that time. So the majority of our business in that kind of high season comes from groups. Usually these retreats are yoga, health, mm-hmm. wellness related, meditation. Uh, we have a silent retreat silent. as well. Generally speaking, people that are attending these sort of retreats are somehow familiarized with plant-based eating. For example, for meditation retreats, there is a huge emphasis in eating a plant-based diet can also help your meditation practice or at least a majority of, of plant-based diet because it helps with the energy and, and just trying to really find your center. So you find that most people, they might not be vegan 100%, but they're very familiarized. So that's that part of the year. And then we have then starting from May, the Northern Hemisphere summer, you know, your June, July, August, September, which tends to be more the adventure or family trips, people that are just driving around Nicaragua. So those we see are more the ones that are coming, you know, because they read about it in booking.com or somebody gave them word of mouth advice, you know, and they're less kind of plant-based normally, but they're mm. trying here, you know. Yeah, and then we also have people that are coming here in their honeymoon because they're vegan and they're like, you know, I can come to a vegan hotel for my honeymoon <laughs> and I don't have to be explaining myself to the waiter why don't I want to be eating dead carbs <laughs> like all the time, you know. And so. then I remember that family with the four children, so that one of them was vegan and he was like in paradise, like, I know the family is stuck here, but we could go somewhere else to have dinner and the kid was like, what else? This is my paradise. I've never been so happy. <laughs> Every little thing that is a challenge here, which, you know, like being completely honest, you find challenges in all shapes and forms here. But every day we have like something that reminds us, you know, whether it's from comments from guests or feedback or just seeing people's transformation, you know, it's just so beautiful, especially when they're here for like six, seven days, you know, mm. you can see like they feel the food. It just... Even, you know, if they don't normally eat plant-based, they can see like their skin or they're like, they feel with more energy. Uh, they, the lagoon has a lot of medicinal properties in the water. So you also see that, you know, and, and it's just such a beautiful experience to see people get transformed and, and so keen in taking bits of, of their experience here into their daily lives. Yeah. And for these retreats that you do, are these all organized by you or do you rent out the lodge as well to to outside organizers because you mentioned that you do silent retreats is that with Vipassana or with another organizer or yeah Yeah. so basically we offer our space as a package for people that want to organize Mm -hmm. retreats here so let's say that you are a yoga instructor you are a a health and wellness practitioner that you want to bring a group of people and you know do workshops and yoga practice Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so we just hold the space for them we just open our home and we offer, you know, we're going to provide you the accommodation, the meals, the transport. We can add any services you wish, like anything from massage to biomagnetic therapy to day trips. Or just if they have their own ideas of, oh, you know, we would like to do like mm-hmm. a full moon ceremony and we're going to need this and that. So then we source it for them as well. So they can run their retreats. And that, for example, the silent retreat is from a outreach organization in New York 
Three Jewels. They provide meditation and Buddhist teachings in the heart of New York, and they are an amazing organization. And so they come and they respect silence vow for the five days or six days that they were here. And then we work in silence around them too. So it's a very life-changing experience, even for us. And that's the beauty of it, that, you know, we have groups that come that are like yogis, you know, and but they don't maybe know anything about plant-based life, but they go to their, maybe their studio in the middle of a big city. It's more of the kind of fitness part of it, right? And then there are others that is more for the spiritual side. So that's uh, most of them. Then I personally run uh, two retreats per year, one that is a detox camp that does helping people to do like a full reset. We eat a diet that is mostly liquids with soups, smoothies, and, you know, nourishing juices, teas. And we learn about the basics of detoxing and keeping your body clean, you know, in a way that your body knows how to do that. We're just facilitating your body to do its work. So that happens once a year. And then I run a Healthy Living with Miriam, which is more of a retreat for people that don't do retreats. I guess I always like to see things different. Italians, you see. <laughs> well, because I spent so much time in all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean when I was a flight attendant, right? I was creating in my mind this idea, and this is what I, to Maribel, you know, I wanted to create the opposite to that. So people will normally go to an all-inclusive place, you know, and eat a lot and drink a lot and really come back home feeling terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And that happened to me when I was in those places because I, I worked for a charter airline and it meant that sometimes in some of the locations that we flew to, we actually stayed for a whole week. And, you know, that was a time in my life in which I ate more than I had to just because it was there. I drank a lot of alcohol and I just didn't do anything that was any good for my body. I will come back home and then feel like the vacation blues, right? Because you suddenly feel you need a, a vacation from the vacation. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to create the opposite to that. We wanted to create a place where you will come and kind of go home and feel that you feel so much better, that you learn things to make your life at home better, that you also felt that you contributed to the world, right? In a week that you were here eating plant-based food, there was a bunch of animals that didn't die. There was like, a, you know, there were things done. And that's why healthy living with Miriam was created for. Yeah, so then they will come here and then we have workshops that are around like healthy habits. Uh, we'll do uh, activities that are good for your body, for your mind. We'll try acro yoga for the first time. We'll try things that you wouldn't normally do, right? Um, and it's for all ages and people just have, you know, it's an all-inclusive vacation with your trips, your excursions and, and just surrounded by like a beautiful amount of people, like Every person that I meet in my retreats, it just makes me, you know, realize that I still have faith in humankind. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like a win-win situation, both for the guests and, and for you. What about on the business side? Because, you know, what I'm really trying to figure out here is, would you recommend retreats as an integral part of the business strategy for, for vegan hotels? I guess that it has to be with what you believe in. Yeah. So if you are opening a vegan hotel, you need to first make sure that you are in the right place, right? Because a vegan hotel, unfortunately today, is not just for anybody. Like there are like about 10 other businesses here in Laguna de Apoyo. This is a very popular place to come. And I hope that you realize why. Like I always say, you know, if you want fried chicken and cold beer, I'm not judging, but, you know, there are another nine places where you can go and get that. 
So there is the one place at the end of the unpaved road where you can come and eat differently and feel different. Now, that's not for everybody. And we were very aware of that. Now, retreats are a good part of our business. It's definitely probably our number one, just being like absolutely transparent. We love having retreats hmm. because then, you know, logistically and how we open doors to a group and then they're here for a week and we really get to know them so we can offer the best of us. It's more like family. You yeah. feel it much like in the impact that at the end when they leave, it will be like highest in that sense. Absolutely. And also the, the ideas are uh, more like the ideas of everybody that is in the same place. So at the same time, it's a little bit more easy. No? Yeah. And from a business point of view, it's certainly better for the organization, yeah. the cost and everything. Hmm. However, we have not been able to give up our other side because our other side, we believe people that come for retreats usually know what they're coming for. Mm -hmm. They are the kind of humans that have considered hmm. to spend their very limited time off in their year to do something for themselves in a place in nature and so on. They are already in this wavelength. Well, we see that beauty that we get from other guests that have not even considered staying in a vegan hotel. That comes from our individual bookings. Yeah. It's not the same to get somebody to commit to a week retreat with certain cost, right? Then to say, hey, why don't we go for a night or two? You know, sometimes it might be it's a couple, he might be vegetarian, she's not. And I'll go, oh, can we try this place? And I'll be like, okay, fine. You know, we're going to be a week in Nicaragua. We can go for two nights. And that's when the magic happens. Too. So, as a recommendation for sure, retreats yeah. work in certain places more than others. Not all, you know, for a retreat, you really need to be in a quiet space. Yeah. So if your business is not located in a place where you can, not guarantee, but at least ensure that you have mm -hmm. silence the majority of the time, then retreats are demanding like that, you know. Then you have the sounds of nature, like we yeah, like the bee flying around the microphone. <laughs> exactly. I'm just grateful it's just the bee. We could have like a howler monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for the retreats and that, the beauty of the individual reservations is, like I said, you know, it opens up a whole new world to people that wouldn't consider otherwise. And we feel mostly like also from Nicaragua because yeah. that was the other purpose of the business. Absolutely. Not only uh, that uh, you make change on the life of others, but also. On your close environment, no? And, and in Nicaragua, they, they have this huge need of getting to know different options of life, not the, just the one that is coming from US or from... Yeah, or the fried chicken and beer, you know? Exactly. That's been definitely another highlight here. Uh, having guests uh, that have never heard of such a thing as, you know, a vegan hotel and mm. this and that from the country and they... And they're open to, oh, so, oh, so you're those vegetarians and you're actually, so there is a slight difference, you know, oh, really? So, so you know, we explain, we spend a lot of time uh, with the national tourists and most, a lot of them, right? They will walk by and be like almost scared about what we do here. Hmm. It's, it's kind of funny because then you go and you only eat plants. It's like, yeah, but you realize that alcohol. Yeah, and we don't have a TV. My God. <laughs> so No, I see no TV. <laughs> but it's funny because then when you speak to them and you're like, but you realize that rice and beans are vegan, right? And then you go, oh, okay. So then realize that actually a lot of the food they eat. It's all plants. The, exactly. Exactly. Or that they traditionally used to eat. Because okay, that's the huge issue in Nicaragua. Unfortunately, health-wise, it's going downhill because they are acquiring most of the bad habits 
from mostly, no offense, but coming from the U.S. lifestyle in which they are adding a lot of animal products and, mm -hmm. and meat to every meal because it's a Processed sign of food. wealth. But traditionally, a Nicaraguan diet was mostly plant-based. When you look around the world, right, that's the same case. We lived in Africa and it was similar. So the less money, in theory, you have, the less animal products you eat, right? Exactly. But the more actually, healthy you are. But the healthier that you would be if you do it right. Okay. So... When people go like, oh, they think that we only are eating the grass from the garden or something. It's like somebody wrote the other day in a comment or something saying like, oh, but being vegan in Nicaragua is just because you're being unrealistic. People can do it. And I'm like, uh-uh. First of all, you can do it anywhere. You know, we're the life proof of that. And secondly, if you look at how Nicaraguan diet has Same. been 30 years ago, it was mostly plant-based. We're just seeing that the mm. more animal products they're including in their diet, the unhealthier they are generally as a community so no don't tell me it can't be done or it's just something for the elite yeah obviously no. buying quinoa in nicaragua might be only for some but guess what you can buy sorghum in the local market yeah and they are feeding it to the cattle because they don't know that humans can actually eat sorghum oh because probably as they give it to the animals they think that it's not good enough or not uh, exactly vip or nice enough coming something humans me i mean when i'm in afghanistan or iraq or other countries i'm the only one that is eating sorghum and then they said mm, but why are you eating that there are so many fancy food uh, around like just uh, chicken <laughs> yeah yeah definitely in that sense when you you kind of get into the mind and try to to show that, first of all, can be done by anybody. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it doesn't matter whether you're in the crater of a volcano in Nicaragua or you are in the, in Manhattan. You need to be aware of what are your choices and just make the right choices, right? And that is what we do here. We have limited choices in compared to more developed spaces, yeah. but we make them work with what we have. We go with yeah, the seasons. And so, you know, we went to the market yesterday. There was a meat section that was kind of disgusting, but... There was also heaps of vegetables. Mm. Rice is like, what, 25 cents per pound? Or? Yeah. yeah, and different types as well. For example, spinach grows here like if it was wheat, right? Like wheat as in a bad kind of grass. I'm not talking about the other wheat. <laughs> and it grows everywhere. You will not find a spinach anywhere in any home in Nicaragua or any restaurant unless that is brought or like managed by a foreigner. Now, when I told my staff, we cook spinach and they're like, oh yeah, but it grows in my garden. Like nobody eats that. You're like, well, mm. actually if you knew what spinach can do for you, right? So then we started kind of educating them as well and like, hey, you can put that in a smoothie because they all have, they all make juices and smoothies, mm. but they just put the fruit and a ton of sugar mm -hmm. and that's that. And it's like, actually, you just put a banana and some spinach and it just, you'll see it's great. <laughs> so yeah, it's part of our mission as well to be teaching our staff members, our local community, the amount of options they have if they look around in the markets and they don't have to be going to any fancy store or anything mm. like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I'm guessing that you're turning some people over to, to veganism here among your staff as well? Well, that's hard. <laughs> well, the one thing that we noticed, so there are some of them are open to it. Same. And what? the ones that are not? The ones that are not are not, right? Yeah. And then you have to choose your battle. You do that as a business owner or when you believe in something. Like, we're not going to be wasting our energy in people that are not interested because thankfully, we just touch wood. Thankfully, we have... Like so many people that are genuinely interested. Mm. So with our staff, we have seen 
also their transformation is being slower, I guess, that we yeah. expected, but we see it based on living by example. So our staff members come here every day. They're like our family, right? And they have lived with us now for a year and a half and they have seen that we don't get sick. Yeah. And when we do, I have a nine-year-old, you know, they get sick. We have a baby here as well. And when they do, we heal them with plants, with teas. We don't use anything chemical. Now, at first, they thought that we were just monsters, right? <laughs> <laughs> first of all, because why don't they get sick? <laughs> and secondly, because when they do and it's very mild, you know, they don't buy any medicines. So then, but they have seen that. So it's not that I'm just like preaching, oh, Maribel is saying this or I'm saying that. No. We just show them. And it's like, well, people think that we're going to die because we don't eat animal products. That's the first spot here in Nicaragua. And then they see us. We only take supplements that are natural, you know, if we're taking like artichoke or this and, and mostly herbs that we buy in the markets. Hmm. I don't know if you saw it in the market yourself. There are some stalls that are just, you know, that you can buy from chamomile flour all the way to chia seeds and like so on. They have the full spectrum. You can buy teas that help your liver. You can find like leaves that will help your colon clean. You can find everything here as well. So we're just showing them that we yeah, those and what is uh, funny, you know, that uh, before sometimes when they were feeling sick, they were asking always uh, for uh, medicine tablets whatsoever. And now it's like I have this, and if Miriam is not around, she used to give me something of one small box up to there, some herbs, and I say, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, you go for the natural, uh, you know, treatment. Yeah. I'm happy to, to hear it's, that. It's been really good. Like I also See. gave them like a workshop and liver health and that sort of thing. I explained to them, you know, mm. like. Even if you continue eating animal products, just think about your grandparents. You know, I bring them back because the majority of them, they know. Like, none of them had a grandparent that could eat more than an egg per week. They couldn't be eating chicken three times a day. That's ridiculous. So then when they think about it and they also think, you know, obesity and diabetes and all the other diseases that are just like a plague here these days. But they see because I'm like, hey, how about if instead of having butter or milk in, you know, like I said, you can make a smoothie and instead of like putting milk in there just put a banana and water and it gets really creamy you know so they see these things and they're replicating and they're also getting into you know finding like healing methods that are not from a pharmacy because yeah. unfortunately you find a pharmacy in every corner in this mm -hmm. country and they do delivery you don't have delivery for other things but they do delivery yes. in the pharmacies really it's the business huh? whatever right. moves the money is the what so you have. yeah that's definitely has uh, has improved from the beginning and, and we take every victory as, as winning a war you know <laughs> nice and just in terms of numbers just to get a bit of a frame around this you have eight rooms at the hotel mm -hmm. how many people are working here with you either full-time or, or just part-time? So we have 11 employees national. Then uh, there are three of us international. And then my partner, Manuel, who I call him, the, he's the non-national, non-international. He's in the between. He is from Nicaragua. He's obviously part of the management. And then we have a rotating role for yoga instructor that comes and supports as well our efforts of providing free yoga to our guests. So we get people that come in, in a work exchange and they will spend some time with us. So in exchange for being here for a while, they will support our work with yoga and any other healing therapies or maybe help us with juices and smoothies in the bar or something like that. So. And uh, to be honest, at the beginning for eight rooms, we could not uh, think that uh, we would need that amount of uh, people around us. Huh? 
to be honest. Today, up to now, sometimes we think that it's not even enough and that we are doing something wrong or, or something, but maybe we are not uh, doing right because uh, eight rooms and it's still a, a big team and we would like to increase, but obviously the numbers just break down, no? So, no. So it's something that people, when you start a business, uh, most of the time you make your numbers, I staff, this thing, that thing, and then you realize that's not. Well, that's the problem, I think, for entrepreneurs, right? Because usually if you're an entrepreneur, you are hardworking, right? I don't think that you can't really get a business off the ground if you're not willing to put in the extra hours exactly so that's your mindset right and then you know naively enough you count on everybody else to work the same way exactly so when you plan your number you're counting with your own you know thoughts and then no i know it doesn't work like that uh also i guess that for us coming from spain which was always being very big in tourism i don't know numbers but like the amount of hotels in the coast of spain and whatever so we've always been very familiarized in in terms of, you know, for example, like a cleaner in a hotel in Spain, their working practices are very different. Like one cleaner has eight minutes to turn around a room. That's how it works in, in the world in Spain. Now, we have three cleaners for eight rooms and sometimes they struggle. So that's been a bit of a challenge, you know, for us. Uh, the mentality, the mentality of work yeah, is very different. something that obviously you cannot change. And to be honest, uh, it's not that you want to change either because still you need to respect all the cultural aspects. Otherwise, you just put the business in Spain and that's it. Exactly. Yeah, so, so it's, no, it's, that's it's part, part of, of that. our acceptation. And, and also to do it right, you know, like all of our employees are obviously there and they have a social security. They all have benefits for them and their mm. families. We pay additional bonuses at the end of the year. Not only that we comply with the legalities here that unfortunately a lot of people don't, yeah. but we try to go the extra mile. So for example, sometimes when they have been sick or their children have been sick, like we'll bring them like those natural stuff that I bring from the shop, you know, then I will just give it to them. Like we try to do what we can for them. So that adds to the cost. Obviously. But with everything, you need to decide, you know, what is more important to run a business that is aligned with my beliefs in how humans should treat humans mm-hmm. or yeah. I'm here for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the big question also <laughs> when we opened doors and the first week, all the reservations that we had, the proposed, were for coming for barbecue and all this kind of thing. I remember the every, very first person that connected with us in Airbnb. Uh, it was like, ah, and then we said that we were a plant-based business. This was even before we opened. The reservation was being placed, you know, a few weeks before we opened. And the first one asked if they will be okay if, because it was a couple and the parents mm-hmm. of her or something. And she was, oh, my mom and I will be fine. But, you know, my dad and my boyfriend, they probably need, can we use the barbecue? And I had a moment. Oh, my God. I called her. I was like, what are we doing? Because, of course, this is a huge decision that you're yeah. making and, and, and you it's know, a huge investment what if everybody is going to ask us the same question yeah. what if everybody loves the place but they want to bring animal food here it was just like oh we're going to deal with this and you know Maribel was fantastic in that because you know at the time she wasn't even like vegan no, but she was, was like no meat but uh, not but yeah. I was no she was like no you cannot betray yourself on the first thing no way <laughs> she was like this is just a person we are gonna run a vegan hotel and, and this is what we're gonna do and we stick to our beliefs if we stick to it we'll get it right mm. and for anybody out there listening thinking about opening a vegan business don't ever hesitate that you are in the right path because things are going to get tough yeah 
at some points you question everything because even when you love Mother Nature, Mother Nature throws you a tropical storm that destroys your property when yeah. you only open for a few months and your local government decides that they're not going to invest in fixing the road that is the only access to your business and you you then question, am I in the Everything, right path? But not. Everything that gets thrown at you, just remember you have a mission, you have a purpose. You started this business for a reason, right? And you cannot deviate from your purpose even when things get tough. You need to find a business partner if you need one that is as supportive as the one that I have. <laughs> That's very clear to me at this point. If we don't run the business in the sense of being vegan and cruelty-free and environmentally mm. friendly, I'd rather close doors and yeah. not do this. That's the one thing that is very clear to us after a year and a half in this, right? Yeah. So we do it this way, which we believe is the right way. And we might be wrong, right? But we are very aligned with our beliefs. Let's take care of humans, animals, and the planet. Yeah. And, and ourselves. And ourselves. <laughs> and if everybody would do the same, then life would be so easy. <laughs> That's where the triple bottom line comes in, because it's not just about the profits. It's also about taking care of the people and I guess it's a quadruple bottom line here because you've got the, the animals as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's part of your own profit, you know? Yeah. So people just uh, want that the profit comes uh, with a link to the money, but then uh, we don't know what to do with that money. So <laughs> we prefer just to divide it a little bit and also <laughs> see these kind of things around you. Like yeah. a little animal. But yeah, do you know what's also what you realize when you run a business with this kind of thoughts? is the majority of people that we attract here, whether they know about veganism or not, they are amazing human beings. Same. I got to tell you that when we have the odd one out, you know, we actually can count with one with hand. With one hand, huh? Like Same. the amount of, Luckily, like, yeah. you know, not pleasant experience that we might have had with a guest or two that might have been like, okay, not the desired guest. But seriously, who can actually say that in a year and a half of running a business that has been luckily busy most of the time mm -hmm. can say that right now but that comes with what you offer so if you are offering like cruelty free and trying to look after each other and the planet and that sort of thing like that's the kind of people you attract and then like i say it restores your faith in humankind because mm -hmm. if most humans across that door are just like incredible human beings. That's what we need. We obviously need to make profit because we have a responsibility with ourselves, with our families, with debt, you know. We got into huge debt to buy this property. But we have this belief that if we're doing the right thing, the right people will come. And therefore, then mm. that will provide the, the income and, and that profit, you know. I will be surrounded by uh, all these people, these nature and the animals. Uh, who has that privilege in their life? And, and the kind of energy that we get to feel here, that's for sure. The part you were saying about the amazing people that you attract, we actually met at a vegan fest in Tulum. And do you do a lot of these events? Is that part of your marketing plan to just spread the word out in, in that way? So basically, the Tulum Vegan Fest was our first festival. When you start the business, you know, you have all these kinds of things you want to do. But seriously, the first year we just spent it by like figuring out if we had the right amount of onions to give like lunch to everybody today, you know, because... We did not have this previous experience, like we said before, and, and it was very challenging. So the first year was about surviving, really. And then we kind of started thinking bigger. And bigger was like, well, you know, if you want people to come all the way to the end of a natural reserve in the crater of a volcano in Nicaragua, you need to make sure that people know you exist. 
following in social media and whatnot, I heard about the Vegan Fest and I put it forward to Maribel. Uh, first of all, it was a, it's an investment, right? Because for us, we needed to travel and, you know, it's the flights and you needed at least to be two people. And, and quite frankly, after the experience, we realized we probably need three, but you know, and you need accommodation and that sort of thing. So, and what was even the difficult part for me was the fact that the vegan fest was at the end of January, which is the peak of our season. And we had a retreat starting that Sunday and I have never not been here when a retreat starts. So I said to her, like, this will be amazing. It looks like a really great opportunity. And there are these speakers. And I think it was through Carla Saplana, who is a, a plant-based nutritionist. And she does a lot of work in this world. That I've followed her for a long time that I found out about the fest. So then I, I put it forward to her. But with this mindset of we really can't make it work. And, you know, like I said, she's fantastic as being the grounded one. We can make everything work. <laughs> and she was like, listen, you know, you're interested. It's a good opportunity. You know, you wouldn't be saying it if you didn't think it was a good idea. So let's do it. You know, we'll figure it out. So that's the first event we went and we came home. I went with my head chef or uh, the person in charge of the kitchen as well as massage therapist. And we both agreed the experience was amazing because of the connections. It was just really great to have people coming genuinely interested about what we offer. We have somebody that is coming to my detox camp in May because she signed up after hearing about it at the festival. We met a lot of connections with a lot of people. I met Carla, which was a great opportunity. I met Dominic Thompson and Tori Washington and, and Dr. Mauricio Gonzalez. Like the list goes on and on about like really cool people that are spreading the word about veganism in their own way, whether they are a doctor or a bodybuilder or that sort of thing so so yes it was definitely something we want to do more of we also need to decide in which environment makes more sense mm -hmm. because we don't have right now the budget or the time to be out there all the time but that's one of the things that we actually decided in this week, this week. Yes. yes to see what other festivals and what we want to participate because it was a great experience so yeah to be continued <laughs> all right in terms of marketing in general where where else do do you focus your efforts Digital marketing these days, if you want to sell your business, uh, that's what you have to do, which is something also that I didn't plan. You see that I feel that that's an aspect I feel very unprepared mm -hmm. because, you know, I was like, hey, the customer service part, uh, I had been managing a, a business here in Nicaragua for a few months before I started this one for a friend. So in other aspects, I felt a little bit more confident, mm -hmm. but marketing, neither of us have a background other than your personal experience with Facebook and Instagram, you know, and then and you realize how big yeah. it is and how Such much amount time. of <laughs> yeah, time requires if you really want to have a presence there because otherwise everything is a waste of time. You just are trying, trying, but if you don't do it 100% with the the script is going to work. Yeah, it's like, in fact, you you can see up there in my desk, I have some of the exercise Marie Forleo. I took a class from Marie when I was doing my course in nutrition, mm -hmm. and I have a lot of respect for her. I really love her style. And she speaks very clearly in a way that I connect. So, mm -hmm. and I said to Marie Bell a few weeks ago as well, like, maybe I will need to take some of her courses or something. Again, finding that balance, where does your time and your investment goes, especially at the beginning of opening a business, because you think like, can I really afford to take the time from being here with guests or taking care of things to do with the kitchen, right? And invest it in marketing teachings. Hmm. Uh, but if you don't, then you're lost. So 
We have a website that uh, ha- brings a lot of business to us. Luckily, as you know, uh, if anybody kind of search for like yoga retreats in Nicaragua, we come up in the first page in Google and that always is like uh, <laughs> something to be grateful for. <laughs> it's just about also being very clear about your market and that's something that we've been polishing as months go by, you know. Like we said, we're not going to be for everybody and therefore we shouldn't focus our marketing for everybody. It needs to be focused for people that really they can connect with our mission Mm. and be very specific so we use some social media uh, that we do more and more uh, connecting with others the networking is Mm -hmm. really really valuable so you know meeting lovely people that you guys uh, it's the power of the voice as well yes the words And, you know, like people just like spread the word and then those connections lead you to other connections and Mm -hmm. so on. So that's definitely the biggest part. Now, are we doing it right? We don't know yet. We're still here, right? (laughs) But uh, in the sense of knowing if we have it nailed, we don't. I guess that we'll be learning for as long as we have a business. To be honest, for now... Even if it is not the right way to do it, we cannot do it differently. Yeah, you know, where we're located, we are investing as much time and money as we can for now and just focusing and, and reaching people that want to hear from us because the ones that want to find us, they find us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always, you know, learning as you go. Absolutely. You, you can never go into a business. Mm-hmm. And I think you said that at, at the beginning, you can't go into this knowing everything it's it's just impossible you're always going to find things that you did not expect you're always going to learn new things and speaking of that is there anything that we did not mention so far that really caught you off guard or or surprised you or you know something that you wish someone had told you about setting up a a boutique hotel (laughs) i might this question makes me laugh (laughs) because I think the list will go on and on. And this is something that we've spoken about because it's not, okay, we didn't have any previous experience in running a hotel. However, you know, we both have full careers separately and jointly for Mm. a while in which, you know, we've lived in several countries in the world and we are very close work with different cultures and uh, and you know different kinds of humans so we prepared we actually did not do this as hey let's open a hotel you know we really prepared but there are so many things that you just cannot and and I and my list will go on and on I was running another accommodation business for a while in this country so in a way I felt I know how it is I know how it is with staff and providers and you know guests and marketing and this and you know accounting and all these things that you don't think about as in like just necessarily every day today but no like I said you know you have a storm that this or or you suddenly are are signed to come to the hotel it was being like vandalized like every week at the beginning Mm -hmm. we still don't know why we don't know if it was on purpose we don't know if it was just somebody that just found fun so then you go like okay do the neighbors hate me what have I done for that from that silly thing to figuring out the accounting system in Nicaragua because then you're like okay I put all my effort to figure it out and then I realize that nobody's doing it does that, and then you're like okay does that mean that I'm supposed to ignore it myself or does that mean that I'm still going to set by example and I'm still going to do it right because guess what somebody that might not want us to be here right will go and say hey they're not doing it right yeah yeah and it's amazing there is a lot of kind of a small town talk in this country right mm-hmm. especially we are foreign women 
running a business where apparently we only eat grass, you know? It's like, that's something going on in there. <laughs> it just, every day is different. For like all the time that we've been here, I cannot for the life of me have imagined a day that will not be the same, but it's just like that. And sometimes it's like to do with the guests or the staff or like culturally here, they get like offended very quickly, you know? So we get like a resignation letter, like probably like See. once a month. And then the next day they come over like crying, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to resign. You're like the best people ever. And then you're like, huh? Mm. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. We start again, right? So nobody told me about that, that I have to also like do some counseling with my staff members well, because yeah. they have insecurities. Like, I you know, so it just goes on and on and on. Well, but it's part of the charm, eh? I Yeah, think. and then you rescue cats, and then the cats decide to get into the guest rooms. And then a lot of people love cats, but guess what? A lot of people don't. Yeah. And we cannot explain to our cats, which we love to death, that it's not okay to jump into somebody's bed. Because like every cat owner out there knows, nobody owns a cat. And that's how it works. Yeah. So, yeah, anything that will have told me, I don't think that... If anybody could ever told me the list that I have of things that I have learned, and we have learned. No, and I think it's also challenged. different from each of the business. Maybe what we are facing or what we are going through is not the same that the hotel that is just two kilometers far away from here. That's so true. Like, you know, suddenly there was a shortage of cashew. I don't think that any other business was realized. like realized. It probably didn't feel it the way that you felt. Oh, my God. We <laughs> almost cried. She brought me cashews from Afghanistan at some point. I was like, like on the phone. 20 kilos from Afghanistan. <laughs> way here. She brought them all in the suitcase because it was like, I swear to God, there are no cashews. And she's like, Nicaragua produces cashews. There's got to be cashews somewhere. I'm like, I swear to God, not the guy that sells to me in the traffic lights. No, no, I imported from <laughs> Afghanistan to Pakistan up to here. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so it's like Maribel is so right. Some of the challenges or learnings that we've had, I don't think that maybe a non-vegan business will have the same, you know. The fact that some things I can only find in some places and that sort of thing, so... I don't think I could ever write that list for no. anybody to tell me all these things that I wish that I had. Heard. And it's probably, again, one of those things that just gets added to over time. So oh, absolutely. If you look at the list in a couple of years, it's going to be longer. See. Yes. And, you know, we see people coming here that uh, they visit us because they are also thinking about starting a business and mm. whatnot. And, you know, they hear about us and they come over to ask. And, and there are many things that I can tell them now, you know, we learn. We learned that we could buy a property in this country and put it in our name, but we cannot buy a car and put uh -huh. it in our name. Okay. And you go, it's scratching your head and you're like, so it's okay for me to buy a property, but, but it's not car? okay to buy a car. So we learned that, that we needed to find, you know, my father to buy the car for us and then to do like a sale. So now it's our name, but it's still like circulation is on his name, but at least yeah, somebody in the family. Like donation think, who could think that? So even the smallest thing, so I can give advice now to people that are coming from a start to about some things, you know, you know, you're going through the process of obtaining a residency and they have to come for an inspection, but they're not too sure that your business is actually a business because, you know, but, but you don't sell alcohol. That's true. I have a hotel and we don't sell alcohol. Now then, so, oh, I didn't know that like alcohol has animals on it and they just go like, no, well, you know, if you're really going to go deep in that, yeah, there are like a lot of alcohol that actually has animal products in it. But it's still, it's also because we want to be vegan and healthy, healthy because not all vegan is healthy. So then it kind of just, it gets so twisted that for some people it's like, Phew. well, uh, for me, it's just like the only recommendation that for sure you can, you have to give someone is that what is important is how much you want something. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. Because um, then you know in all the paths, it doesn't matter if it is for a business or for whatever or to buy a suitcase. You know that you will face so many difficulties that you cannot predict from the beginning. You cannot even classify in order to see how will you solve it, me as the engineer point of view. <laughs> so you really need to, to know how strong you can defend whatever you want to do or whatever you want to achieve in life. And, and do it with love. Go for it. Yeah. When you do it with love, that's one of the feedback that we get the most and it just fills our hearts that everything we try to do here is done with love from mm-hmm. the design of the menus, from what we do in the rooms, so, you know, how we actually genuinely care for the people that come here mm-hmm. to stay with us. I don't think there are any hotel in the area that hugs their guests as much as we do. Yeah, no. And, you know, and little things like this, you know, even with the animals. So right now, for everybody listening to us, we've been dealing with like a fly-in. Uh, it's called a Congo in Nicaragua, and it's not a wasp and it's not a fly, but it does stink. Now, they come and they can be very noisy, right? So sometimes when there's a lot of them, they will come around the dinner table. Mm. So you have to deal with the fact that I don't want to harm them, right? And we want our guests to also have a pleasant eating experience. So how do you manage that? Nobody tells you how to manage that. Or when it suddenly gets to frog season and then they are so loud at night that you just don't know what to do. You deal with it, you know? Yeah, have a season for everything here. <laughs> that um, the fact that you do everything with love can certainly be felt in the entire Thank you. place. <laughs> Thank you. And um, love to know one more thing now. Now that you have like a year and a half behind you, where do you see this going in, in the next couple of years? Apart from, of course, opening another location. Where it's <laughs> I yeah, I'm a still decided on that. <laughs> no, you cannot yeah. get out of <laughs> Thankfully, we see a very bright future. It's been tough when it comes to the cost and the investment and trying to get ends meet, you know. It, it's, that part is tough. But what you have seen is the increase of interest that we have Same. generated in people to think about coming here or to do something in our venue you know mm-hmm. and we've grown a lot of relationships from people that have come and run a retreat before but then they've told their friends and now their friends come and seriously in this short time we already see the difference and we only see it kind of growing one because well, hopefully we're doing a decent job. <laughs> so See, we need hopefully. to kind of be positive. <laughs> the second as well. So when it comes to people choosing a plant-based diet uh, these days, my reason was animal welfare. Her reason was animal welfare. But in my case, for example, it opened a door to help. And that's where then I specialized on. Now, I see an increase uh, in people choosing a plant-based diet based on health reasons. Mm. I mean, the science is behind us. There's so many studies showing how can humans thrive so much more and live a healthier, better life when they increase the amount of plants in their lives, right? That's talking very generally, not even being like, hey, everybody should go vegan, right? But I see that. And, you know, the more you read, the more you see that people realizing that something has gone wrong over the last 30, 50 years, especially in in Western countries in which we have just completely transformed the way we eat. So in that sense, I see that growing. I see the need for places like ours Mm. growing. We have seen our numbers grow and we have a lot of plans to keep that going and and we get very positive feedback from our guests as well. So 
for anybody thinking about that, we encourage it. Like I met recently at an event in here in Granada, a lady that is opening little kind of Airbnb vegan place in León here in Nicaragua. And you know, like it makes me so happy. She's such a wonderful person, you know, she has been following us. She was so grateful that we existed, you know, and, and I see that and I'm like, how beautiful that maybe in the period of five years time, mm. when we have guests coming, that they, I will be able to also tell them, listen, there is also like a vegan mm. hotel in Leon and another one in San Juan del Sur or Ometepe Island. So people could potentially plan a holiday around Nicaragua, going to business that are in the same wavelength. So yeah, absolutely. I see that as the trend. Hopefully, we are mm -hmm. not wrong. Right? In future. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm guessing that one of the big benefits here is that you're constantly in contact for on that wavelength. So just seeing that future, it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. Like I say, also the guests that come, you know, these are people that are normally in in working and doing really interesting things, you know, and, and recommending us like places to go or this or things that they have discovered, you know, or ideas when we have like one of the ingredients that we used to, um, it, it was when we ran out of vanilla extracts last year and you couldn't find vanilla extracts in this country that I actually had to have a guest bringing it from the US for us. And then a participant of our retreat who is a plant-based chef, she's the one that said, listen, I make my own. And, you know, like, and I was like, you know, I thought about it at first, but because I couldn't find the vanilla pot or something, but wait a second, if instead of bringing me van a bottle of vanilla extracts, you can bring me the vanilla pots, right? Mm. And then we looked into it. So then it's been like over a year that we make our own vanilla extract now, right? And that was just from a comment of one of our guests. So yes, you're right. Like the, the type of people that we have here, they inspire us. They also keep us in our, in our foot, you know, because they expect that when they come here, we are going to inspire them. So that is good because I feel mm -hmm. that energy, you know, that trying to please people with their food or, or with discovering things that they haven't thought about before or, you know, that they can make a chocolate cake with avocado, which for people that are plant-based for a long time, that's a basic, right? Yeah. But for some other people, it's mind-blowing and it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just like... Wow. So then, you know, we keep experimenting in the kitchen and, and we keep showing people that mm. you, you can do it yourself. You know, if we can do it here, you can do it too. And yeah, absolutely. That's like, it's reciprocal. We inspire people and our people inspire us too. <laughs> Beautiful. Miriam, Maribel, I love talking to you about this. I hope that someone gets inspired from this talk and, and decides to open up their own vegan place somewhere. Absolutely. Because... You know, if, if we had a bunch of these lodges around the world, I think we already do. But if we yeah, had yeah, even more. So. Yes. Or more accessible, because sometimes yeah. that's one of the reasons why we wanted to make it accessible. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it felt that it was a very niche market, you know. So well, we totally appreciate your support because what we're trying to do is more places. It doesn't have to be, you know, you can run a hotel and I'm sure that a lot of the challenges we have any hotelier will have even if they're not vegan so you can just make it work and and you'll be surprised in how many people actually are happy that yeah. you exist you know so definitely we we hope that people will get inspired and and we can find more places where you can get a good night's sleep and a good practice in the morning and a healthy 
plant-based breakfast and that's already a good day you know like I think people would be a lot better <laughs> if they actually started their days more like that <laughs> yeah and if nothing else I'm pretty sure that we gave a lot of people another reason to visit Nicaragua today I hope yeah, so hope it's so. a it's a brilliant country and it has a lot to offer and yeah. uh and hopefully we are kind of contributing and to make it more diverse and attractive to those that are thinking about visiting. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank, Thank you, Jerry. Thank, Thank you, you so Jerry. much for your time. <laughs> that was episode 54 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, recorded on-site at the Pollo Lodge in Nicaragua. And just to give you my honest impression, since Nicaragua has been in the news lately because of political unrest, I have spent many years living in different countries in Latin America, and Nicaragua definitely had the friendliest people and felt, I would say, the safest of all the places that I visited. It's also the country with the lowest crime rate in Central America. So if you're considering a retreat or a getaway there, I really don't think the current political situation should influence your decision. But of course, Miriam and her team are the best people to reach out to because they'll be able to give you the best and most up-to-date information on everything that's happening there. So if you want to get in touch with them or find out more about anything that we discussed today, please check out the show notes at theplanbasedentrepreneur.com forward slash show forward slash episode 054. That brings us to the end of another episode. Remember, the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show is available on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and on Stitcher Radio. So if you're enjoying these talks, please rate us and leave us a review because that way we can get in front of more people and keep spreading the message. I'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, stay amazing. And remember, the future is plant-based. Plant-based.